Good morning. Yes, would you please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 24. As some of you know, I read the one-year Bible, and I am so always so glad to turn to Genesis 24 and read this amazing story of Rebecca, chapter 1. Chapter 1. A few days later in the one-year Bible, um, I'm always regretful to read that chapter of her story, and I want to tear out the pages. But the truth is, wouldn't we all like to tear out a few pages of our own story so no one knows and examines it for the next several thousand years? So um, I just want to say to you, as I got up this morning, um, I, I wrote a whole new, I've written this this um, lesson about five times, and another few pages got added, and I just want to be so honest to you this morning. I stand before you this morning to tell you that this story, this beautiful and then tragic story of Rebecca's life has moved me in such a deep and personal way. As you know, she had two chapters, two moments in her life that are a complete disconnect, a complete contrast. Chapter one is truly Rebecca the Beautiful. Absolutely, it appears with no pre-thought. Out of her heart flows this extravagant kindness and generosity to a weary old man. It is amazing to me. It has moved me. It has humbled me. It has also greatly stirred me up to want to, to want to not just act like that, but to be like that, that that would truly be in the depths of my heart and it wouldn't be a decision to make because it was already a decision that, that was formed in my heart by the Lord. Jesus said, blessed, blessed, which means, oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. May his story, her story do that for us. The simple beauty of her kindness is to me and has been over the last month, like salt, like salt to me, making me thirsty And again, we have to remember what Jesus said about that. He said, ask and you shall receive. Ask. If it has stirred you to want that, the asking of that is just a ticket that he will then open that up in our life and make that and do that. Kindness and love, what are they? They are fruit They are fruit of not us trying to be better people. They are fruit of God's life. Fruit of God's life. His Holy Spirit dwelling in and then flowing out of us. When will we understand that? May this lesson not just send us home to try harder. Because some of you as moms and wives and and. and positions of service at work or someone else, you know what it feels like at the end of your day to have a hungry man and 10 thirsty camels wanting dinner or wanting to be taken care of in some way. We know this world. It's women's world. 
Trying harder isn't the ticket. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Rebecca, Rebecca, I'll tell you what. If I had her right here, I'd say, chapter one of you, you inspire me. And again, you make me humble. You make me want to knock on heaven's door and ask to receive in my spirit what only God can give, that his nature would become big in me. But, but, and oh, how I wish there wasn't a but in her story or mine. But I wish, (laughs) I wish the second chapter of her life that breaks our hearts But each of us, if we're honest with ourselves and honest with God, know that we have times that we have taken things out of God's hands and into ours. We also have made wrong choices. The bottom line of her story is what? If you could just put one word as the bottom of line of her story, what would it be? I believe it's trust trust. And like that old, wonderful, beautiful song, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. After we pray, there's going to be a little moment of extravagant kindness shown on the screen to just start us out right. Lord, we just pray. We, we are Rebecca's in this room. We want to be Rebecca's of, of chapter one. We want you to do something so sweet in our life that without pre-thought, it just flows out. And God, we want, we want, we, we crave, we beg you to break us of those moments of self-will and disobedience to your nature and moments, moments that we feel are, are serious crises. And as we pray, we just want to intercede for our dear Denise, who's up in Oregon visiting her very, very sick sister. Pray that your spirit would just flow over their life. And Lord, my best friend from high school, her husband had a serious crisis this morning too. God, we pray that your spirit would flow over their crises, their world and ours. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. So.
I sent that video to Tracy earlier this week, and she said, Debbie, that makes me cry happy. That makes me cry happy. (laughs) I love, I love chapter one. And you have a handout. Rebecca the beautiful. Rebecca the beautiful. We want to start there. Beauty is as what? Beauty does. Absolutely. First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, because we've studied these women one after one, and really what's the point? What's the point? Is the point just to know their story? No, God has a point. Let him speak what this study is all about. First Corinthians says, now all these things happen to them as what? Examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Well, that, the, the, the wording of the New King James just doesn't open it up as richly, I believe, as how the message opens up some of these phrases. Listen to this. These are all warning markers. Danger. In our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They're at the beginning and we are at the end. We are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Wow. (laughs) Guess he knows us, right? Don't be naive and don't be self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate what? God confidence. That is the lesson of this story. And so what are the lessons and examples in her story? All of our actions, whether they are good or true, twisted and destructive, are a direct result, not of our circumstances. When will we understand that? Our circumstances aren't what rule our life. No, our hearts, our hearts, our emotions, our attitudes, and our minds, what we dwell on, what we think and rethink, our thoughts and our intentions. Therefore, in the two chapters of Rebecca's life, we see examples. We see good fruit in Genesis 24, and we see bad fruit. So again, what does God say about all of this? Proverbs 4.23, he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. You better be guarding your heart. Because from it flow the issues of life. Trust me. And you have seen it in your own life and others. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I feel like dramatically addresses the second phrase, the second chapter of her life. If she had just lived by Philippians 4, 6, and 7, she would have been good. She would have weathered the crisis. 
And Paul is writing these words when he's in prison. Some of us, sometimes we feel like we're in prison to something that disappoints us. And what does God say? Don't worry about anything. Psalm 37 says, do not fret. It only leads to trouble. And all of us know that's true. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Stop and pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's all already done. Then you will experience God's peace, which extends, exceeds anything we can understand. And he will guard you, your hearts and minds. He will guard, with his peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This applies very directly. Directly, when she was in the valley of decision, God says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Her story reminds me of Proverbs 31. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. All these things are principles. They should be our stepping stones in any moment of life that we face. So, let's start by reading chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was now an old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant... Be aware that Abraham was now over 100 years old. His oldest servant might have only been 80 or 90. But he spoke to him and he said, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, that you won't allow my son to marry any of these local women. Go instead to my homeland, my relatives. Find a wife there for Isaac. But the servant asked... A logical question, what if I can't find a young woman who's willing to travel so far from home? Be aware, this was 500 miles away. This is a long distance for, the, for any girl to leave mama. He knew that that would be complicated. And he said, should I take Isaac there? Abraham said, absolutely not. And then he makes the wonderful statement to this servant. He, God, will send his angel ahead of you and he will see to it. Love those words. He, God himself, will see to it that you find a wife for my son. So the servant took the oath, put his hand under Abraham's thigh, And he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, traveled to distant land. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside of the town. It was evening, the end of the work day for anybody who was doing anything. And here come the women out to draw 
water. This servant knew he was looking for a needle in a haystack. He was way out of his comfort zone. He was way out of his territory. I love this servant. We could spend the whole message just on him. He started out this journey talking and fortified and confident in Abraham's relationship with God. But as you see him walk out this journey, the whole relationship changes. Abraham's God becomes his God. Abraham wasn't there to kneel and pray at this critical moment. Only he and God were there. And I love the transition that he makes in his life. And he kneels with such a prayer of faith. He's already at the right town. He already has some names he could inquire about. But no, he ups the ante here. He ups the ante. And he says, he says, oh, God of my master, Abraham, please give me success. Give me success. Show unfailing love to my master, Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside the spring and the young women of the town are coming to draw water. This is my request, his criteria. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink. And then adds the unlikely statement. Not only that, I will water your camels too. Let her be the one. Let her be the one. This is how I'll know that you've shown unfailing love to my master. Sometimes we need to um, read between the lines when we read the Bible. We need to read with holy curiosity. What was this prayer about? Remember, he was a servant. He was a servant. Abraham might have been looking for something in this wife. Of course, Isaac... He'd be looking for something in this wife. But this servant, he had vested interest. He was not looking for a princess. A poodle on a pillow. She would soon be the mistress of this household. She was looking for, he was looking for a queen. He was looking for somebody entirely different. If you read Esther's story, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Esther was a widow, and she was of a, a captive people that was, she was far away from her native land. And when she was taken into the palace, it's not the king that fell in love with her first. If you read Esther's story, it's the servants. Because they wanted, they wanted the next queen to replace Vashti, to be more than a pretty face. And that's what this servant was looking for. This was an unlikely prayer that only God and his criteria could answer. This is beautiful. And so before he had finished praying, I love this. It makes me cry. He saw a young, beautiful woman 
Rebecca the Beautiful coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. And she was from the right family. She was beautiful. She went to the spring, filled her jug, came up again when he said, give me a drink. Running over her. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. She went out of the spring, filled her jug. Then the servant went running over to her. Please give me a drink of water from your jug. Now, again, please, contextual setting. We have to, again, remember that this old servant with 10 camels had traveled 500 miles through very ter- uh, uh, foreign territory and hostile territory often in those days. So he wouldn't have put on robes of wealth and marks of carrying treasures He would have put old rags and maybe bales of hay over these camels. He himself would have clearly shown the mark of a servant, not royalty by any means. So after this journey, and probably wearing rags, so he wouldn't be a a, a candidate for thieves uh, to attack, dusty, weary, end of the day, he approaches her. In disguise. May I say that to you again? In disguise. Oh, this is God's specialty. He is so good at this. He is so good of wrapping something amazing in very plain packages. Just like he did with his Jesus. His son came in such a simple, poor package but he was the treasure of the universe. He approached her and said, could you give me a drink? I can see the look on her face in verse 18. Yes, are you kidding? Yes. She said, have a drink. She quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder, gave him a drink. Then when she had given a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too. Again, this, this moment should shake us up and shake us out of this cloud that we go around in when we're at the grocery store, when we're at just the marketplace, when we're at any place that we miss all the sweet opportunities around us. God Fire us up. Give us your eyes. When Jesus was in the marketplace, it says that he was moved with compassion. For he saw the people that they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. He didn't just see their pain. He was moved by their pain. And so should we because he lives in us. Our Jesus who loves broken, hurting, thirsty people. He wants to move us to give a drink in his name. And be a blessing to others all around us. This is exciting, right? This is so exciting. And you know what the, 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 um, the servant did? Verse 48 It says, he bowed low and he worshiped the Lord. 
He said, I praise the Lord God of my master Abram because he had led me straight to my master's niece to be your son's wife. And again, that beautiful moment where he didn't just ask God to do something, watch it happen and go his merry way. He put his face to the ground. And God spoke to me, when was the last time you did that, Debbie? That you physically, literally just bow before me and say, God, you rock. You rock. How could you be so good to me? Oh, the gratefulness of this. I, this moment changed his life. And I just want to give a P.S. to that. He was willing. He said yes to this assignment. He was the servant of Abraham. The servant of Abraham. And you know what? We've downgraded that term. We can call ourselves the servant of the highest king. And yet in those days when the master said go, you know what you did? Let's say that a louder, louder. When the master said, go, you went. Not so much with us. We often will say, you know, that's a little out of my comfort zone. I'm busy. I got things to do. I'm, I'm about my business. Uh, that's just a P.S. of this story. That's just a P.S. of this story. As we look at this story, this important story... Again, we love Rebecca so much. A young woman whose simple, sweet life displayed humility and generosity to even strangers. When she watered those big, thirsty camels, she didn't do it. She didn't do it with the expectation she would get a nose ring and a gold bracelet. That was a bonus she did not expect. But the tragic scene... When she called her son and instructed him to willfully and intentionally deceive her husband. That's kind of crazy. That's a disconnect, right? But be aware, just like our stories, that moment had many layers. Many layers. As we turned to that, and we did this week. We, we must walk around it and think, what got into her? Really? What got into her that made her cross that dramatic line? Perhaps as the children grew, Isaac, favoring Esau, spent a lot of time with him, taking him hunting, being gone. Maybe there was just a little bit of jealousy where she had taken second place. Maybe Maybe Abraham, I mean Isaac was living through his, his son. So she reeled back and built her own little world, as some women do. Some of us do. She favored her other son, Jacob. Built her world about, around him and maybe became a little idol to her and his destiny. She wrapped her future up in his destiny. She had been told that God would bless this son, but now God's promise in that scene number two was at risk. In one fatal moment, Isaac, by bestowing the blessing, could undo, in her mind, could undo God's blessing. 
by giving the blessing to Esau instead. Well, she could not possibly let that happen, right? She she couldn't make that let that happen. She couldn't possibly see. Here's the here's the clincher. She couldn't possibly see how God, even God, could overrule one bad mistake that one man made. Right? That was the clincher. Right? No one's speaking out there. Please agree with me. That's exactly the bottom line here. Her grandson Joseph wouldn't, wouldn't be sta- would one day be standing at such a crossroads. He was the favored son. Wasn't he? And a bunch of his brother's men made the wrong decision and threw his destiny in the opposite direction. But in Joseph's story, there was a but God. But God was with him. When you look at chapter 1 of of Joseph's story, you can't possibly imagine how God could take that mess up and turn it to good. But even Joseph said at the end, hey, you got guys, you meant it for evil. You are so wrong. But God's always right. God wins. That's the bottom line. God wins, right? So we have to remember that Joseph's mom, Rachel, (laughs) I wonder if she had been alive when all that happened, if she hadn't meddled. Maybe. Let me say something that we all, every one of us need to tuck deep in our hearts. Number one, the worst happened in Joseph's story. But again, God used it for, for, for good. Let's bring this back to Rebecca's moment of decision. She's well aware that within hours, and they thought her husband was going to die any moment, right? That within hours, her husband was going to formally give his entire blessing to Esau, not Jacob. Her heart must have screamed within her, that can't be, that's wrong, he's wrong, Let me qualify this. Her husband was not going to do wicked wrong. Okay? This wasn't wicked wrong. This wasn't abuse, cruelty. It wasn't wicked wrong. Sometimes when there's wicked wrong at risk, we've got to to take action with the power of God. This was not wicked wrong. But what was shouting within her was I must not only take this out of my husband's hands, but out of God's hands. How do I know it went that deep? How do we know it went that deep? How do we know this was not just not trusting her husband, but a refusal to trust God? We know by this, she chose to do the wrong thing to produce the right thing. Let me say that again. She chose to do the wrong thing to produce the right thing. Two wrongs. Somebody help me complete that. Do not make a right. Lest we think we will never be a partic- in that particular predicament as Rebecca, let's apply this to our particular predicament which we have some, all of us do. For instance, someone has hurt you with words 
or actions? What principles should we apply? Two wrongs. Don't make a right. Mm-mm. Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but give place to wrath. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Don't find a way, even subtly, to pay them back. Just as Rebecca instructed, this is really important. Just as Rebecca instructed her son to disguise himself. We can disguise, even from ourselves, a wrong action. We can. We can dress it up. But God himself sees. And that should be the ultimate criteria to please God, to honor him. And those private moments, first of all, in our hearts and then in our actions. Maybe now you're in a situation that's hard. And who isn't? Who isn't in some place? Maybe even unfair. You can't see how relief will come. Two wrongs don't make a right. Don't grab something or somebody just to give yourself temporarily, temporary belief, temporary relief. Out of this, people have turned, women have turned to affairs, alcohol, drugs, overspending, running away, turning their resentment inward, being very depressed is running away. Let's look at the consequences that Rebecca's actions brought into her life. When Jacob said, but mom, I don't think this is a good idea. Genesis 27, 11, Jacob said to Rebecca, look, mom, Esau's hairy, I'm smooth. If my dad touches me right away, he'll think I'm a deceiver. <laughs> right. Right. That's exactly what he'll think because he will be right. He'll curse me. This will backfire. He'll curse me, not bless me. Rebecca said the fateful words she would live to regret. Let your curse be on me. Only obey my voice. There's some critical lessons for us as women, as mothers, as friends, as women in this church. May we always press people to listen to God's voice. Never may our voice override, even to ourself. Jesus said the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. We need to listen. Whether you're in a crossroads with some decision right now, you will be. You will be. Rebecca was at a crossroads Would she trust God or would she lie and cheat to get what she wanted? She's a good example of a bad example. Does God give us this story to shame us? To shame Rebecca? To shame us? I venture to say that every one of us, again, have made decisions 
that we wish the page could be torn out of our story. It's his kindness that leads to us to repentance. And so as we close, let's just close our eyes. And there are women that will pray with you. If you need somebody to pray this down in your heart, Lord, we just thank you, God, that you love us still. You see the, the bad side of us. And God, we pray that, that you, you will, by your spirit, at that next crossroads for us, that you would give us the grace to trust you, to put it in your hands always. And God, those extravagant, sweet moments, God, help us to not miss them. The chances to be a blessing to someone who's needy and thirsty. Pray that your 